0: Exton Moss Experiment Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss Hello boys and girls and a very warm welcome to another edition of the Exton Moss Experiment I'm Ken Moss, I'm Simon Exton and we are joined again by Dr Velvet, are you alright? We're alright, thank you very much We've also got Blackout, hello. Hello, uh, the gentleman, the fine gentleman from the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, a super podcast that, uh, if you like us, you'll really like them, because they do research and we don't. We're, we're
1: lazy. We are fucking lazy here at EME. But... <laughs> I think we give the impression that we do. <laughs> uh, but, but at least that's working. It's a pleasure to be here, gentlemen.
0: And it's a pleasure to have you aboard. What are we watching this time? Because this, uh, this is one of your requests.
1: Well, following on from last time, we looked at The Tomorrow People, the original series. Now, it was, in fact, reinvented, rebooted in the 1990s. This is Monsoon Man. You want to be a journalist? That's great. But you don't just come in off the street and start right at the top. Help me! Help! Help! Now! <laughs>
2: Make
0: a fight! What have you done with Lucy?
2: I knew a Lucy Bradman once. Uh, Married a dentist from Ditchley. Lucy's been kidnapped. What happened to those photos? Who did you tell? Some kind of weather machine.
3: The name on that check, Triple C. That's the Cobb Serial Corporation.
2: I can see it now. Tomorrow, I turn on that little old machine. And bring destruction and the devastation The raining down on the cornfields of Central USA
1: So, Series 2, it's a five-episode story arc with a completely different cast, a completely different storyline and Todd from Neighbours is in it I met him at a Michael Jackson concert in Wembley Stadium at the hot dog stand
4: More important than that, Peggy Mount is in
2: it! <laughs> <laughs> Peggy! 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 <laughs> Get in! Come on! I gave them my lady Bracknell with a soupçon of head and a touch of Madame Arcati, for good measure. This is
4: literally the only reason we've chosen this.
2: I knew it! Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. Where's me dosh?
4: Her character is basically Flora from Euronian twice.
2: I played my role to perfection, and though I say it myself, I was an artistic triumph.
4: Again, that's kind of all she does in most of her roles, but, you know, I don't want to put down our matriarch, so let's carry on.
2: A word with you, if you don't mind.
3: This was her very last credit.
2: Really? Yes.
4: And then, see, again, you're, you're sitting there going, oh, we don't do research. You've done research. You know, I look at her INDB during our recording sessions on a fucking daily basis, and I still have, like, you know, I'm just like, yeah, she did that in the 90s, that's fine, da 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 I have no
3: idea what her last actual credit was. Well, it was this, and the one before was her episode of Virtual Murder. Fair play. Oh, yeah. Have and you children. seen any of Virtual Murder? No. Oh, oh dear, God above. Oh. I cannot <laughs> wait to hear this episode.
0: Right, mint, brilliant, good. There's a lot to live up to here. We've sort of got to the... Uh, this is usually where Dr. Exton will come in with an alumni list. Who
3: have you Who have you got in there? Oh, actually, there's quite a lot of alumni in this. Um, only a few from Doctor Who. Kerry Shale was Dr. Renfrew in The Day of the Moon. Ian McNeese was Churchill in multiple episodes. Oh, this was Ian
0: McNeese before he developed an ozone layer. He was positively svelte in this. <laughs>
3: That may be taking it a little far and obviously Christopher Benjamin was Henry Gordon Jago. Henry Gordon Jago. And Sir Sir Keith Gold in Inferno. Now, in terms of the regulars, so the three Tomorrow People, Christian Schmidt was in Neighbours.
1: I met him at a Michael Jackson concert. Have I mentioned this? I might have mentioned this. I I think you should mention it again. (laughs) At the hot dog stand. And was he a delight? He was a delight. He was a delight. He was a lovely gentleman, yes. I met him... The Michael Jackson. As a, concert, as a
4: point of order, for every yeah. two times that Dr. Velvet mentions that he met Christine Schmidt at a Michael Jackson concert, I am legally obliged to mention that I met George Lucas on his way to the toilet. I'm not going to give you any more details. That's all I'm saying.
3: He said hello. I'm, no more details. That's it. That's fine. I can be both of those. I went drinking with Fenella Fielding.
1: <gasps> Fair. Fenella Fielding.
0: I had breakfast with Nicholas Courtney.
1: Anyway, back onto your Anyway, alumni. back onto, back it, yes, on, back on onto... It.
0: It. So, no, money pennies in it. Money fucking yeah. pennies in it. Do you um, want to do the alumni? No. Oh, oh look at the <laughs> shit lip you've just given me.
3: <laughs> no. Please feel free. No, it's all Here right. There you that, go. That was let's it. Read I, ju- let's go through your detailed notes of alumni. Um, money penny. That's it.
0: Ah, smog as fuck.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've written notes. First
0: time ever, guys. We're only doing this for you. Brilliant. <laughs>
3: Christian Schmidt, who is IMDB credits start with Neighbours and end up with Home and Away. So, remarkable versatility. <laughs> the thing that he did immediately after Neighbours was this. Um, he was a regular in two Australian shows, Sea Patrol and Pack to the Rafters. And I don't, as I don't know much about Australian telly, I've no idea how shit they are. And he was in the Scooby-Doo movie in 2002. And... Might there possibly be any podcast episodes about Scooby-Doo that people might like to listen to?
1: The Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, that's it. Yeah,
3: listen that's to that, the one. that's great. That's the one. That's marvellous, that's great. Splendid that fellows. You an pumpkin. amazing coincidence, yeah. Peggy Mount is in this story. <laughs> Peggy Mount's in this story, He's really? In this story. We will get to that. Christian Tessier, who played Megabyte. I love that you said that with a straight face. He didn't say it with
0: a straight face, he was holding it in like, he had a fart like an airship, that was his expression. <laughs>
3: He actually did quite well for himself because he was a regular on Wayward Pines, which is quite a fun little TV series, but really didn't need a second season. Um, He was regular on Caprica and he was regular on the rebooted Battlestar Galactica, appeared in um, the new Godzilla and The Day After Tomorrow. Naomi Harris was in two episodes of Pirates of the Caribbean. She is currently seen in cinema in Venom Shriek. She was in White Teeth. She was in Skyfall and she played Moneypenny in Spectre. I've got
4: to say, when Naomi Harris turned up in that, that gave me a lot of hope, because she is superb. Then I realised that this was filmed before she had her acting lessons.
0: <laughs> surely, surely it's not that Naomi Harris. And uh, yeah,
3: yes it is. We haven't even started properly on this yet. Yeah, that, that was true. Dr- anyway, yeah. who else yeah. is in this yeah, thing? And so the actress who played her ma'am, Sally Sago, um, was a regular on EastEnders uh, as Hannah Carpenter, and that this version of The Tomorrow People was her last acting credit. Does um, <laughs> the tomorrow people Ooh. just kill
0: people? Uh, it, it just drains all passion for acting out of
3: people. Well, we've already talked about Christopher, ben- Christopher Benjamin, <laughs> and he turned up in a million different things. Lawrence Bouvard, who was the annoying journalist, generally does video games and voice work, but did crop up in the Silent Hills Origins movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Kerry Shale, who I wanted to punch the screen oh. every time I saw him, ma- again, mainly does voice work. He plays was Gordon in the new version of Thomas and Friends. He was in the entertainingly titled Dr. Zipbag's Transylvanian Pet Shop. But he does have some pretty good acting credits to him. As well, he was in The little, little Shop of Horrors. He was in Labyrinth. He was in the 1988 television production Lion Witch in the Wardrobe as Mr. Beaver.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Damn.
3: And he was on the, the classic comic strip presents episode five, Go Mad on Mescaline. John Judd was uh, in Space 1999 as one of their regular security guards and was also Mr. Helen Shapiro. Faith Edwards was a regular on Doctors. Alwyn Taylor was a semi-regular on Midsummer Murders and was in the 1987 version of Struggle Poison. Oh, God, there's pages. of. How many people were in this fucking thing? Look at the state. Paula Jacobs (laughs) was in the 13th Reunion episode of Hammer House of Horror. Steve Knowles was a regular on London's Burning and turned up in Pie in the Sky. Ian McNeese, as well as playing Churchill, was a regular in Doc Martin and turned up in tons of stuff like Strange, Bugs, Moon and Sun, and Edge of Darkness. Mac MacDonald was Captain Hollister in Red Dwarf and was in Edge of Darkness. Vincent Marcello was uh, one of the voices in Bob the Builder. He was Culpepper in Never Say Never Again and a crewman in The Spy Who Loved Me. He also Tipped up in Secret Army, and the lady herself, Peggy Mount, appeared in this. She appeared in the greatest show in the galaxy. She appear- appeared in Virtual Murder, <laughs> and um, was a regular in The Larkins, George and the Dragon, and You Only Live Twice. And this was her last credited role on
2: IMDb. Exit stage left.
3: You have left out Porkins.
4: Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Yes. Stay on target. Stay on on target. (laughs) He's also that dude in Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: (laughs) And he was uh, the the, uh, fat bastard reporter in Batman.
4: Yes. Come on, Dr. Exton. Come on. (laughs) William
0: Hootkins. (laughs) Who, strangely, um, he's no longer with us. I I can only imagine that he he died from a 20 megaton heart attack. (laughs) Fucking
4: Pawkins. I couldn't quite believe that. Yeah. And this was towards the, let's call it the tail end of his career, let's be generous, but Jack Porkins doing kids' TV, that's fine. Bear in mind, on the next series of The Tomorrow People, of this iteration of it, Christopher Lee was in it. And Jean Marsh. That's very true. There are films that do not have this level of casting.
0: We've been looking at the casting list on IMDb and, and Wikipedia. I cannot believe the people that they bagged to get in this thing. I mean, it's, it's not terrible, I suppose really we should sort of skim over the plot. Who's going to take a hit for the team and do it? There's a deafening silence at this point. (laughs) I'm
1: cutting the the lead up to my mic so that I can't.
4: (laughs) I couldn't actually discern much of what was happening. I have things to say about it. I certainly cannot summarise it.
0: No, I I am not. I'm going to veto this. Simon will go into very detailed and very good... All good, all good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to cut right across that and say, look, the plot revolves around the owner of a cornflake factory who wants to use a scientist to destroy all the other corn crops in the entire world so that he's the only person that can make cornflakes the end. Uh, that's basically all you need to know, because Simon would have given us a very detailed and uh, intricate plot summary. It would have been better than that, but it would have made it sound much more entertaining, and this
3: was... Dull.
0: Yeah. I was quite relieved though, um when you first suggested that we do Monsoon Man, I'd got it into my head that this was five hour long episodes. So <laughs> that that was gonna be quite a slog, boys. Yeah. Fortunately it's not. It's it's five twenty two and a half minute episodes, and I did it all in one sitting with a bottle of gin. But uh but yeah.
1: What do we think? I mean, I watched this back in the day, having not seen the original, and it didn't strike me. Then I wasn't taken at all. It just seemed very slow. Something lightning, something talking, filler, 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 <laughs> filler <laughs> lightning something.
2: No, um no, no, no,
4: no, no. first things first, the music's not as good as it.
1: The theme tune is very, very bland. It is so so bland.
3: That is the first note I have written. Bland theme tune. <laughs> It just feels oh. like
4: library music that's been selected by someone who hadn't read any of the scripts.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. This was picked off a shelf. Little tape going, when was this last used? Oh, that's the, for that video on fire extinguishers. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> They've used it to replace one of the best theme tune uh, opening graphics title sequences yeah. that TV science fiction has ever had. Agreed.
1: Absolutely this. Absolutely this.
3: For all we laugh about how crap the original Tomorrow People was, the title sequence is superb, world-class. Yeah. It it Mm -hmm. is shivers-down-the-spine music, and it just looks wonderful.
1: It's arresting. It's absolutely arresting. It makes you sit up and go, what the hell is this? And it lures you in. This is just... (laughs) MEH,
2: (laughs) MEH, 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 MEH.
1: I just don't like it. It, it, it oh, no, no. I'm going to leave it there. I don't like it. I don't like it.
3: I am glad they've got away from the original plot point that when they jaunt back to the uh, to the alien ship that they use as their base, they end up splashing in the water.
1: Oh yeah first series that happens, every time they jaunt, they're just in the ocean, and then they have to crawl out amongst the seaweed and the crabs, and they have to walk to their... Be- yeah, it's ridiculous. It's it's impractical. I It's, I, a, it's I'm a very nice there. looking beach,
3: if, if you like beaches.
0: The filming for this, it feels so cheap. I mean, the problem is that it, it is all filmed in England. It was um, a Thames television production uh, that was co-partnershipped yeah. with Thames' American Arm, But the problem is Mm. that they filmed it in NTSC. So all of a sudden, London looks a little bit, or wherever it is in England, it looks very cheap.
4: Yes. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Well, I mean, there's some location work at Piccadilly Circus, so it's London.
0: Oh, I I edited that out of my my head, but it's... With a a sign for Lily Whites, which really does age. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it just that look that you got with nineties kids series, uh, because there was a few Australian series as well, and they did the same sort of thing. It's filmed Mm -hmm. in that foreign format, but in familiar settings, and it just looks,
4: yeah, it always looks weird, doesn't it? Yeah.
3: And they are going absolutely over the top to beat you around the head with the, this is the 90s, and we have 90s fashion and we haven't. And so they, they come out of some, or it's some random door with dry ice that's supposed to have been a nightclub, and immediately launch into a Wayne's World impersonation. Yeah. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm completely with you with that. And, and you know, and to further underline the fact that, hey, it's 90s, it's modern, we have a character... Whose nickname is Megabyte? Yep. Uh, mm, yeah.
3: At that point, they do actually mention a concert burger van where you could possibly get hot dogs. And Christian Schmidt ah. says that himself. Is that
1: right? Is that right? How
0: bizarre.
3: I the mean, the, the
0: question, the burning question that people are going to need to know on this podcast is yeah. Christian Schmidt, does he or doesn't he? Is, he? is he a mustard man
1: or a ketchup man? Uh, he was both, from what I remember I didn't stare at his hot dog too long Because you tend not to when you first meet someone But um, yes, there was in a crisscrossy shape Both of them were in a crisscrossy shape They were perfect, beautifully presented Absolutely beautifully presented uh, For anyone on listening well. to
4: this section I've got to say that the subtext is every bit as strong During the record R- as you are hearing When you're listening to this Right
1: <laughs> That's the power of podcasts Isn't there it? There
0: we are yeah. So we can confirm, for the first time ever in public, that Christian
1: Smith is bisorcial. I love uh-huh. that. I'm going to use that. I'm taking that, Ken. <laughs> bisorcial. Unless he bought it for someone else. Ah, you see, we're into entering into a completely other realm. We're, oh, we're on dangerous
0: ground here. We're going to get cancelled. Well,
1: no, well, no. It's it's essentially what we're doing now is is we're producing filler. Um, <laughs> coincidentally, let's move on to the episode. So, yeah. Speaking
4: of Christian Schmidt, I was more or less fine with his Australian accent. I could cope with that. Yeah. I did have a bit written about Lawrence Bouvard and Christian Tessier and the appalling nature of their transatlantic accents, and then I Googled them, and it turns out they are American and Canadian respectively, (laughs) implying that they're both so bad that they can't even do their own voices.
0: Right. It does take a staggering level of acting ability not to be able to do an impression of yourself.
4: Correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because I actually you know,
0: thought that the uh, the Tesla boy uh, was he was Edmund. I thought in the line, "The Witch and the Wardrobe," but he wasn't. Are either of you familiar with that?
1: The late eighties version. I am. I didn't like it, and I've never watched it since. But uh, I did see it at uh, the time of transmission. But um, the the kids in the story got on my nerves. So uh, yeah.
3: Would that be the one where Kerry Shale played Mister Beaver?
0: <laughs> I, I think it. I think it would. It would.
3: The one, I've got a problem
0: with Which this. is a polite
3: way of describing his acting ability.
0: <laughs> Let, let's never be polite again. <laughs> I do have a bit of a problem with one aspect, because this was nowhere near as terrible as I was expecting. I, I was going into this thinking, it's going to be cheap ninety shit. But, but, mm-hmm. but, but... As Simon has pointed out earlier today, I could not understand why the recaps for each episode bore no oh, fucking yeah. relation to anything that was about to happen. Minor characters were yeah. ramped up as if they were going to. Peggy Mount was in every single fucking recap. She appears in one and a bit episode. <laughs> <laughs>
4: because she's the best. When thing she's in which. the recap, that means she gets paid.
0: Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's in the contract, mate. But this thing
0: has no structure whatsoever it's no link really no, to the original tomorrow people there's there's
1: virtually no connection between this and the original series it's a complete reboot, which was part of my problem with it now I mean back in the day it wasn't because I didn't know any different but now complete problem with it a reboot what are you doing a reboot for where where's john where where, where are the where are the original characters i don't i don't want these people here. Why is this a beach? Where is Tim what's going on no annoyed annoyed and even big finish
3: didn't bring any of them back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, they didn't bother with the the tomorrow, the new tomorrow people.
3: Um, I think in the first episode there is one throwaway line about a group in Australia who yeah weren't weren't associated with something. There's a very brief line where they're they're also telling you that behind the scenes they've killed off Kenny and Sutai because they were utterly shit. <laughs> So spoilers for the big finish tomorrow people within about the first three seconds of episode one they've killed off two of the originals because they were awful can you imagine how terrible Sutai would be if you brought her back as an audio character wow i want i want
4: Su to come back and be exactly the same character <laughs> yeah in exactly the same outfits literally just walking around repeating the last thing that anyone has said.
1: That would be fantastic. <laughs> Without any other Tomorrow People, she works completely on her own, and she's trying to reform some kind of Tomorrow People movement. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah.
0: I would love yeah, yeah, suit good. and tie to
1: be back, and you could get bloody subtitles
0: on a big finish audio. You would fucking need them if she was back. That was awful. It's bad when you can't lip-read someone that's right in front of you. <laughs>
3: that the problem with the to-
0: with the leotard. No, the, she was the only one in the leotard that didn't have a camel toe. Believe me, I was looking.
3: So, <laughs> Ken, do you
4: basically just want that scene with the subtitles in leotard?
0: <laughs> Big close up on the camel toe and scene. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. So, <clears throat> I am. I am dominating this with my critical appraisal of the, the spectacular feast that we've just watched. Uh, Peggy Mount, boys, this is. She is your goddess. What what did you think of the Peggy Mount
1: performance here?
2: Those stupid brats swallowed it up line and sinker.
1: I mean, she's brought the costume across from the greatest show in the galaxy.
0: Well And the hats I was going to ask actually Is it a contractual obligation that she wears A cape and a big fuck off hat stuffed with flowers
1: Yes Yes Yes. it is Yes it is Yes. And that's written into it And also when her agent chats to the people concerned Her people talk to their people It must be written in the script Where she must yell And she must (laughs) yell And she must give every other character That's going to be on camera She must walk away from them and they left feeling like they've had the biggest bollocking of their fucking life. <laughs> so, if that's in there, then it's all good.
4: So. I don't even think that needs to be in the script. That's generally how she carries herself anyway. God bless well, her.
1: Well, to be fair, yeah, that's, that's very, very true. So, yeah. When she
4: first turns up in this, she's got like a, um, what do you call it, like a thing that you spray onto plants? Sort of like a, a pump-action insecticide rifle. <laughs> I thought she had a crossbow. Uh, this episode would have been much, much better Had she turned up <laughs> with a crossbow <laughs> But alas, that was not the case I did like yeah. the um, one of the subsequent shots Where she's basically seen walking out of Dunkin' Donuts Stuffing her face
1: Yes <laughs> it she is,
4: She's having the most fantastic time in this She and gives yelling. not one fig
1: No, and yelling to people in the street I get paid for this Yeah, yeah. yeah she's loving it
3: The bit I loved I absolutely loved about that was that and was it a Dunkin' Donuts? Because in my mind it's a kebab. I can just see her with a dirty, greasy kebab. You just stuck on a front edge. Yeah. 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 But the bit after that where they're following her, and she's in the middle of London and she's just walking down the middle of a street. Couldn't care less. Doesn't bother 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 with the pavement. London bus comes along, it's gonna come off second best. (laughs) It's just Yes. Come on, you Absolutely. big red bastard. Give it a try. She's like He'll a sonic
0: cannon, isn't she? I mean, I, I can only bear in mind that the set that they were in when she was uh, launching into Ian McNeese's character, cash my check, where's, where's my money sort of thing. That must be like having Dolby 5.1 THX blasted yes. at you. Your glasses shatter, yeah. your teeth are extracted by the roots, everything, yeah. the plaster's coming off the walls.
3: I mean, it's like the Memorex skeleton. There's a sketching,
0: spitting image with uh, Brian Blessed, you know. If I speak any more quietly, they'll only be able to hear me if they're actually in the building!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh. Yeah, it it really is. And the hat and cape ensemble is just... I don't know if she's giving two fingers up to Margaret Rutherford or whether she's... Paying homage, I don't know, but she carries it off beautifully.
4: I like to think it's the second yeah, one. Yeah, I'd those. like to think so.
0: Well, to be honest, my first thought was that she walked into costume and makeup that morning and said, "Fuck off! I'm wearing whatever I fucking want." That's exactly it. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. Yes. And that's literally every production she's yes. on. And and
2: and, <laughs>
1: and 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 what will you be wearing today, uh, Dame Peggy? What I want. That's fine. That's fine. Yep. <laughs>
3: I want a cloak. I want a fuck off hat, and I
4: want a flowery frock. Do it. My first thought when we uh, when we first meet her is that she's standing outside. What is like? It's not exactly stately home, but it's like a large sort of detached property. It's got its own grounds. Da da da. And she's sort of there tending around the garden. This is Flora in Paradise Lodge, and she is the only surviving resident.
2: <laughs>
4: I'm not. I'm not saying that this character has murdered everybody. But <laughs> But she is walking around with a weapon. Yeah, right. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a beautiful crossover? Wouldn't it?
1: Wouldn't it? Yeah. The final ever episode of you Young Twice, entitled Flora yeah. Snaps. Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: yeah. <laughs> the Halloween cut.
0: Uh, now I've just got visions of her striding around just getting pissed off with everybody because someone's made a cup of tea with one sugar in it. She just snaps Pam Coombe's neck and that
1: was... the, the, oh, the... <laughs> with... Snaps. Oh, with the
3: Garden of Love playing in the background.
1: Yeah snaps slaughters the lot and the end of the episode there's a close-up of her going ever closer slow 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 into her and her teeth start moving and moving and we find out that flora is actually a cenobite from the hellraiser franchise i love it i love it you've
4: sold it to me you you've yeah i'm i'm yeah. in I, I do not wish to speak
0: ill of dame pegatha uh, mm. but the by this point the the teeth and the emphysema was getting in the way of the dialogue
2: I have lived in this house for the last forty-five years. Surely by now I would have noticed a secret laboratory under the stairs. I think it adds to the character.
1: Well, she herself
0: was clearly still at a hundred miles an hour and uh it, yeah. Th- that that she was a force to be reckoned with. My good God, yes. 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 <laughs> yes.
2: I, I, I I'm surprised <laughs> she
1: let a little thing like death get in the way, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said on many an occasion, the woman terrified me as a kid.
2: Terrified me!
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I didn't like shouty people when I was a child. And there was a dinner lady at my school who was just like Peggy Mount, and she
2: terrified me, the woman.
1: So, yeah, but you grow to love her later on, and you, 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 you grow to embrace and appreciate the power that this woman had.
4: What I like is that by the time this episode aired you'll have been in your early 20s mm-hmm. and therefore not watching children's television Correct. anymore but it it would still have terrified you
1: absolutely well it would have brought all of those emotions back mm. oh god there <laughs> she is there she is again shouting <laughs> and terrifying yes absolutely but you see you know did we all have a
0: dinner <laughs> lady when we were at school that was like zoom possessing dana in uh, ghostbusters where she roars and the entire front wall of an apartment blows out yeah
1: yeah because i had one <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Serving slop in a bucket, yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Our school meals were excellent, but they were they were delivered at uh, they were slopped onto your plate like they'd been fired by Homer Simpson's makeup gun, and uh, they were you know you were you were sort of instructed as to what it was at two million decibels. So it's a wonder really that I can hear enough to podcast. But we all had that dinner lady, and uh, they just don't build them like that anymore. Yeah.
3: I don't really remember, to be honest, because I block out as much of my school t- school time as humanly possible, because I hated it.
1: I hated school. Blackout and I went to the same school together. Yeah, it wasn't a particularly pleasant experience, was it?
4: Yeah, we're all on the same page. Yeah. Right? Uh- <laughs>
1: And yet, despite those
0: experiences, you have hailed Peggy Mount as, as uh, the pinnacle of, uh, of acting talent. Terror. Yes, terror, terror, Yes. Getting back onto uh, this, this five-episode extravaganza, I can see Dr. Exton in front of me has got copious notes. I imagine you two have as well.
1: I mean, I've got the odd little thing, you know, little, little bits and pieces, like uh, 60% of the budget clearly went on blue gels for the lighting. Um...
3: <laughs> Everybody had a waistcoat. Everybody.
1: Yeah. What gets on my nerves about this is, OK, we know that the characters can, can teleport, or as they used to call it in the, the previous series, they could jaunt and get themselves out of a tricky situation. There are a number of occasions where you can see they're trying to ramp up the tension in a certain scene. Oh, how are they going to escape from this? For example, Christian Schmidt's character, who incidentally I met at a Michael Jackson concert at the hot dog stand, he he, he, he runs away from the elevator to hide behind a chair. And you think, why is this a problem? Why Why are you trying to build this up? Teleport out of the building, sweetheart, or just go to another part of the country, they'll never find you. But they go back to using this little device all the time. It annoys me.
0: I'm really glad that I'm not the only one that picked up on that, because it did start to piss me off. Yeah. And uh, when you've got a plot hole that's that massive that you can, you know, you can fly the Liberator through, you've, you've got a bit of a problem the only thing I will say is there was one little fragment in this whole thing that I thought was actually quite good, and it's where two of them are at the bottom of a lift shaft.
1: Yes, 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 yes.
0: And I actually thought that was a nice little genuine dramatic moment, and it stuck out a- across the whole thing. All the, shall we say, all the non-American cast are doing their level best to
4: do the best they can with with something that's a little bit dull. Yeah. When you say all the non-American cast, do you mean Amy? (laughs) Because there's only only three Tomorrow people in this. And Amy is like the one that is like British. How come she can send pans clattering all over the kitchen, but she can't teleport out of the room? Is she still on probation or something?
1: Now... Some Telmora people are given or develop certain powers. Some are stronger in other areas than, than others. Yeah, that kind of...
4: So it is... Okay, no, that's, that's absolutely fine. It, it is more like the X-Men. Again, I want to reiterate, I haven't watched the rest of this. I haven't seen the establishment of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. some characters having powers that others haven't. Yeah. It seems a bit odd that you'd send someone into a situation to solve a problem where they haven't got all of the tools that someone else has got. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. But isn't the yeah. isn't that a big finish reimagining of it? Because I think all of the original Tom- Tomorrow People could jaunt. It, w- it was pretty much the first thing that they did. Um, even okay. Trisha Conway could jaunt.
0: Right. But it is—it is a major plot hole when, you know, I, I will kill you tomorrow, person. Yeah, well, yeah, best of luck with that, cock.
1: Yeah, fuck they, off.
3: Yeah, they do resolve it sometimes by having a non-tomorrow person along that they've got to look after, like that irritating American that sits on the on the drug dart in the final episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole,
3: oh, look, I, I, the dart went into my credit card, aren't I marvellous, I'm so lucky, and then sits down and gets one up his ass. Well, yeah, but all the
0: American cast in it were... I, I, I mean, they weren't... I, chewing the scenery is not really doing it justice. It's like they'd all got the bollocks wired up to a, a nine-volt battery, um, and they were all pulling as many crazy, mad-ass expressions as they could cram into one scene. Yeah.
3: Kerry Shale was particularly yeah. slapable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but so was William Hookins. You just couldn't get near enough to his orbit to, to punch him. He was... I mean, that's a that's big unit. <laughs> That is the, the most American name you could possibly come up with, isn't it? William Hootkins. He was only missing a Stetson and a gun.
3: Didn't he yeah. have a stench? Did he? Yes. <laughs> fucking
0: hell. You see all the bits that I've edited out of this thing. Two and a half hours of my life evaporated into the ether watching some 90... Oh, God, no. It was, the Americans really brought it down because I thought that actually if, if the characters played by the fucking Yanks, the septics, if they'd played it straight, you might actually have rescued this thing. Mm possibly oh that's a very non-committal hmm you're not convinced by that
1: i'm not i'm not i I really uh this messes with the original (laughs) tomorrow people too much for me yeah i don't know there's not the same vibe going on amy's mother got on my nerves amy's mother got on my nerves completely
4: i don't think there should be the same vibe going on given that we don't see any of the cast of this in blue underwear
1: Uh, uh, yeah well of course uh, no, I don't mean that vibe. We, we've lost. There was the original Tomorrow People had a certain magic to it in terms of field, the imagination. There was a. Th- this is just bland nineties. This is just it's daylight. It's daylight. It's it's not claustrophobic enough
4: to go back to the original Tomorrow People. There's certainly daylight to it because when it comes to the spacewalk sequences, it's lit up like a fucking hospital. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, true.
4: I think that's once we get to the nineteen nineties, that's
1: fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but there's no central hub, there's no sort of premise for who the tomorrow people are. They've got no base, they've got no well, computer to you know, smart ass drinks trolley.
4: Now this is the thing when it comes to Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Again, haven't stepped straight into this and not watched the previous episodes of this. Iteration of the Tomorrow People. I don't want a five-minute set-up at the start of every arc to tell me what the premise is, who we're dealing with. But you can drop that in through the writing, can't you? Yeah. There, there can be some kind of establishment, and there's nothing in this. It's like dropping into EastEnders. Well, there's a lot of twatting about on a
0: beach in one or two scenes, and it doesn't make any sense to people who don't know the Tomorrow People. It's It's there. Right. I think Christian Schmidt sort of, he he pisses about sweeping sand off a hole and then falls down the hole.
1: (laughs) You just reminded me of a completely different film. Anyway, go on. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Dragging this back by my fingernails.
3: I I do have another couple of notes. Go on. Firstly, the secretary at the newspaper. Yes. She's really shit. (laughs) Yes. Because the whole bit where she's doing the whole, I couldn't possibly t- tell you his address, I couldn't possibly tell you his address. Yeah. Oh, strange shouting man who's got his name wrong four times. Is it really his birthday? I didn't realise. I couldn't possibly get in, get in the way of letting you uh, pass your um, congratulations on, have his address. Mm. Now, OK, he was about to do the injectee a la Doctor from the Cannonball Run thing. But she didn't know that. No. Oh, there
0: are so many flaws with this thing. Right at the very, very beginning, you've got a crime scene, which one of the Tomorrow People jaunts into. I can't remember now. I saw this thing two days ago, and I can't remember who it was. (laughs) But one of the Tomorrow People jaunts in, and uh, the policeman... The pol- the fucking policeman is unable to identify that there's glass on the body until one of the tomorrow people picks up a piece of glasses. Ah, glass, glass. Ah, yes, glass. And they all suddenly notice that this body covered in glass is covered in glass. <laughs> yeah.
4: I do love that as a as a strand of continuity. The police in this version, uh, every bit of shit, is the police in the 1970s version. <laughs>
0: Oh, if you want shit police, watch uh, A Man for Emily. Um, They they all drive around in Ford Zephyrs with getaway music. Stop reminding
1: me of that episode. Stop it. It's awful. Anyway, yeah. Another nod to Doctor Who, actually, uh, is the little scene that we get where said antagonist is disguised as a cleaner and plants a bomb. That smacks of (laughs) purpose. Straight away, that. Can I challenge your use of
4: the word disguised?
1: Well, yes, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But you've never seen John Pertwee in a tabard and a headscarf. True. I'm really glad that you brought up that
0: reference because that is exactly what I had in my mind when I watched that (laughs) scene. Yeah.
3: (laughs) So do we need to be doing a drag queen of the week at the end of this? A drag
0: queen of the week? (laughs) Cue the jingle. (laughs) Cracking.
2: I am Persian. Name
0: your price. Gentlemen, uh, this is a a little bit of a segue, but we're not averse to those here at EME. Um, What would we give out of five on the drag queen
4: index? (laughs) I mean... My general sort of skill on the drag queen is, like, completely amateur. You know, I appreciate the art, but I don't have enough experience to properly
3: review them all. I'm going for a solid one. Generous. <laughs> there we go. Whereas, you see, I think Peggy Mount's resting bitch face push, pushes it up to at least a three. Even if the costumes are shite and the makeup shite, her, her attitude, at least a three.
1: Peggy Mount will always be a nine, out of five
0: even. Peggy Mount's a nine. Why? Why didn't they get Peggy Mount to come back as the actress to be the... The cleaner that planted the right? bomb. Right. Right. I've
1: planted a bomb in this room. Fuck off. Right. The burning question is why wasn't Peggy Mount cast as Darth Vader? That's always been my question. <laughs> there
4: is this as well, but that's or a separate Princess book. Leia
1: or both.
2: This will suit me nicely, thank you.
4: Yes, both using CSO like in Dad's exactly, Army, yes. where Captain Manor has his brother.
2: Yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That'll be mint.
1: Brilliant. My goodness me. (laughs) me. Monsoon
0: man. (laughs) I'm now, unfortunately in my head, I'm now running through every line of Darth Vader as Peggy Mount.
1: Yes, yes you are. And
0: it's an absolute (laughs) joy.
2: (laughs) You're part of the rebel alliance and a traitor. Fuck off, (laughs) sissy.
3: (laughs) Oh, she really should have been a Bond villain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen,
0: you have just given Star Wars a new depth. Thank you very much. Pleasure.
3: Can you imagine Peggy Mount as Goldfinger? Do you expect me to talk?
0: (laughs) No, I'm not even doing it. No.
3: (laughs) No. (laughs) But it's in your head.
1: (laughs) Love it.
0: Um, Sooner or later, technology is going to catch up enough to be able to do that. (laughs) Where were we?
3: Um, I I have one final note.
0: Fire away. Which Mm -hmm. is
3: all the special effects at the Battersea power station at the end of the lightning and everything it just looked like a really 90s rave video and i kind of expected the klf to be playing over it
0: right oh don't diss the klf i'm not dissing the
3: klf mm. i like the klf but this is kind of what that kind yeah. of video looked like yeah.
1: yeah yeah
4: while we're on the subject of the way things look there's this really weird section about 3 episodes in where the main characters go to the um sort of like the head building of the what is it called the uh, the Cobb Serial Corporation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like a, the, they sort of ingratiate themselves in with a a tourist party so they've being shown around the place because they want to like infiltrate the building. Yeah. Cuz obviously any kind of tour like this is going to go within 5 feet of the actual nerve center. Fine. Okay. But you have got a shot with uh, their tour guide Tammy and she's going, "No, oh, this is the uh, this is the headquarters of the uh the Cobb Serial Corporation. This is where we do all of our business. Behind her is a stainless steel cut logo of, like, you know, their their emblem. Now, if I can cast your mind back to 1988's, sorry, 1987's RoboCop. Yes, the uh, Omni Consumer Products, the company that makes RoboCop, it's effectively exactly the same logo. I'd buy that for a dollar. Now I can't say there's gonna be anything in our show notes because of this, because it's not our show. But if you're listening to this, listener, have a look in the uh in the Twitters or whatever, have a look underneath for the comments. We're probably gonna post some kind of pictures. I don't know. We might we might not. It might be me. I don't know.
0: It is the O C P logo.
4: It is. It is, isn't it? Right? I'm all one for homage as anyone who has seen my graphic design knows but put a bit of fucking effort in lads (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) it is fucking insane
0: bear in mind that this has all been set up we've had a good three episodes where you haven't got a fucking clue how everything links together it's the end of episode four of a five part story before you find out who the villain is and what the point is up until then, all you've had is three and three-quarter episodes of padding.
4: Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started on that shit. When he's like, he's got a machine that's going to make it rain instantly, this is literally why it's called The Monsoon Man. And you're like, yeah, yeah, fine. W- what's he going to do They'll flood the world? No, like, no, no, no. What he's going to do is he's going to ruin the cornfields of cereal-producing competitors. Surely the licensing of this technology... To developing countries would make him far more money than just being the world's biggest supplier of cornflakes.
1: <laughs> this is the kind of plot that you'd see in the drag Pack, wouldn't it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? No colour in the world. We're back to that, aren't we? <laughs> My goodness me.
4: Mind you, if there was no colour in the world, then we wouldn't get a baddie across five episodes that has a Dijon yellow three-piece suit. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no,
0: that, that was a, a spectacular piece of sartorial elegance, gentlemen. Do not diss the, the
4: mustard. Oh, oh I'm, I'm not dissing it. I'm pointing it out, and I'm underlining it at this late stage.
3: It was another waistcoat, it's, though. It's fucking horrific. And there were way too many waistcoats.
0: I've not noticed the waistcoat thing. <laughs> I know, I he's looking That's at me. because oh.
3: Waistcoat.
0: He's looking at me because uh, uh, waistcoats form a big part of my my wardrobe. But it had not, I'd not clocked it as a thing. But now you say it, every bloody character had one. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, it was early nineties. They were a, they were a big thing. Uh, I seem to recall. I'm a big fan of a waistcoat. Mind, I do have quite the collection. You can't go wrong with a bit of a waist waist-get. You can't go wrong. Yep, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all good, but certainly late eighties, early nineties. On the cover of Smash Hits, the Jason Donovan's and others were, were always befitted <laughs> with uh, with the waistcoats. C and A and Top Man were full of them.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
1: I remember that. Oh, you take me right back. Good Lord! So there you go. The Monsoon Man wasn't that good. I know.
0: As, as a final thought, gentlemen, what do we think? Blackout. I'm going to start with you. What What do you think of this thing?
1: Well.
4: This isn't anywhere near as absolutely batshit as its predecessor. Um, And as a result, it's not anywhere near as engaging. But the 1990s Tomorrow People is a sort of pleasantly undemanding product for an audience that's just got home from school before the news comes on. It's just a bit crap, that's all. The show's definitely more biker Grove than it is The X-Men, but I still find it more interesting. Uh, probably more to see how the children's TV budget had come on over the uh, 16 years. <laughs> From the Living Skins. Because <sighs> you know what? Ultimately, compared to a shell suit being dragged along on a length of fishing <laughs> wire, this is doing absolutely fine. If I was watching the Monsoon Man as a twelve-year-old, I'd probably be on board, and I think that's the point.
0: But to uh, to use your parlance, really, from uh, crib from your podcast, how many pegs would you give this on the line?
4: Out of nine, mm. it's an absolute solid four. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs>
0: There's faint praise giving, uh, yeah, you giving know. the Tomorrow People 1990s a good, big, hard kick in the stones. If we do all we can. Uh, Dr. Exton, what did you think?
3: Not an awful lot, to be perfectly honest. I don't remember watching it first time around um, because this would have been mid... Squat period. Mm. Um, <laughs> squatting period? Now,
4: just
0: <laughs> just to remind us, uh, was there any particular drink that you were favourable of during the squatting period? <laughs> Wait,
3: squatter's cocktail.
0: What is squatter's cocktail? Squatter's
3: cocktail is something that, so, that nobody should ever, ever try. But we're going to. Uh, what is it? No, we're not going to. We are absolutely not going to. It was a bottle of netto sherry, it was a bottle of Netto's lemonade, and it was a bottle of Benlin. <laughs> it will rot you from the inside out.
0: Now that we've had a, a glass of this fine refreshment...
3: What fine refreshment? Because I am never drinking Squatter's Cocktail again.
0: I am. I'm
4: tired. <laughs>
3: <Well>, you-
0: <laughs> We're doing this for Peggy Man. When we guest on your podcast, guys, that's what we'll
3: have. <laughs> we'll hold you to that.
4: I expect nothing
0: Indeed.
3: less. But- <laughs> Blindness is what to expect, frankly.
0: <laughs> but a final note on the Tomorrow People. Uh, it-
3: I didn't see it first time around, so I, I, I don't have any particularly nostalgic recollections of it. Uh, even for sci-fi that was around at the time, I don't think it's particularly good. There were some truly dreadful performances. I'm not wild impressed.
0: I'm not sure, actually, whether I did see this first time around because I've been talking to Paul, who is he's my mate from school, we, um, and we both sort of remember this, but not in any detail it wasn't as dreadful as I was expecting. I went into this with sort of cheap 90s transatlantic shit in my head. I wasn't a million miles wrong, but for five episodes of of that, it wasn't as dreadful as I thought. I thought the, the very worst thing about it was all the American cast and all the American actors were just chewing big gobbets out of the scenery. And that was the weak point for me. But he's got Henry Gordon Jago in it. Peggy Mount was a delight. And there's any number of other English actors and settings in it that they do lift it a little bit considering the budget. So um Peg's on the line. I would and there's some James Bond connection. There is a James Bond connection, yes. Uh, yeah, Miss Funny Fanny. And I would probably give this Yeah, would I go back to I think four yeah, four out of five is not a bad thing. I I didn't, I I can't say I'd rush back to it, but uh, four out of nine pegs. Yeah, not a bad one. Are we rating it as well? We may as well. Four out of nine. Four out of nine pegs. And finally, the final word on this, treat, goes to Dr. Velvet.
1: I mean, how dare they disregard the previous series? How dare they reboot this? Aside from Peggy Mount, aside from Henry Gordon Jago, drivel. Two. Oh, burn! Two. Yeah, one for Peggy, one for Henry Gordon-Jago Good old Christopher
4: <laughs> <laughs> He's difficult to please That's the thing, you know
1: Yeah, how, how dare they Just just, just disregard, no I, I'm not in favour of that, No, 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 no So yeah, yeah Five episodes I sat through, five episodes Never again, I'll burn the DVD box set I jest, of course
4: Naomi Harris, if you're listening We're sorry, he's not
1: uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not that big a Bond film, uh fan. You know, I like Live and Let Die, cracking episode that, marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> Two
0: pegs. That that's a, a shocking, scandalous, scathing review. Two pegs. Two pegs. But uh, but probably well deserved to be fair. It's... Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not something we'll be racing back. Uh, at some point, gentlemen, we must revisit the Tomorrow People and do uh, the, the bins with dicks because I have seen this and. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed.
3: <laughs> if we do the Thargon Menace. Because it's only two
0: episodes. Yeah. Only two episodes. This is 50 minutes of my life just evaporated into the ether on on some sort of podcasty whim.
3: Okay, we'll do War of the Empire. Fuck off.
0: No, no, no. But on that note, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, We've had two delightful episodes with the Peggy Mount Boys. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us, because uh, we are massive, massive fans of your podcast.
1: That's very, very kind of. And thank you so much for inviting us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you never know, you might get a postcard through the post asking to return the favour.
0: We're we're noted for our politeness. Uh, Disclaimer no, we're not. not. (laughs) There you go. We shall be back very soon with something uh, I would say, I usually say at this point, a little more whimsical. I don't think we can get any lower down the scale. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Ta ta. Bye now. Bye.
2: Bye. (laughs) Blackout,
1: you sounded like you'd just fallen off the sofa
0: The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss All featured soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended Title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.